Welcome everyone to the 73rd episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. I'm Dan Kozell here with Nick Tartaglia. Nick, What's you're up? smiling over there. What's going on? Yeah. Well, honestly, it's a good, it's it's been an interesting week. Yeah, well, beginning of the week. Um, I'm smiling because it's interesting to see. Well, one of my trades is going the direction I want, so I'm a little happy with that. You had Jerome Powell coming out telling talking about how you know, things like, oh, he's accepting a further downside of a recession in order to fight inflation. The question becomes how much of that fight can he actually sustain? Um, we're going to about to have a great conversation too, you know? And uh, so I've got no reason not to be smiling right now. I think if you're up year to date, you're doing pretty good right now. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can put my hand up and confidently say that. So that's actually a good thing. But what we're going to talk about today is there's a lot of experience from this gentleman, um, lots of wisdom. Um, been, we've been following him for quite some time. Um, but you know, there's a lot of psychology in this market right now. And I think the reality is slowly starting to set in. Um, and we want to just kind of take it from a very basic understanding for people to really know what, what how to prepare for what is essentially coming, although we don't want to forecast or sound too conspiratorial. But there is a gentleman here with us today who's been at this for a very long time. Uh, he's currently offering a lot of online and in-person crisis management and business content continuity services for businesses, academic institutions, uh, individual clients, as well as nonprofits. Um, and he was also one of the key executives that helped grow the New York Mercantile Exchange from initial valuation of 800 million to one of the most successful IPOs, all the way up to about 12 billion. Um, and he has been at the floor. And correct me if I'm wrong, at the Chicago Board of Exchange way back in the day when they were throwing papers and just yelling at each other. So, uh, with- hey, it didn't seem too long ago for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> On the lifespan of your life. Well, I started out at the CME and then I moved over to Comex and IMEX in New York. So we can talk about that. There you go. Well, welcome to the New Gen Mindset Podcast, David Greenberg. Yeah, well, now that you've made me the grandfather in the group, you know, with <laughs> You know, we used to like get on the dinosaurs and then we used to like travel over to the exchange and then pull over the rock to walk in. Um, but listen, it was a different time and a different place. So I'll give you a little bit about my background. Uh, started off, uh, graduated Syracuse University up in uh, New York and then started off as a runner in Chicago, uh, making $3.75 an hour, then moved my way to a phone clerk when the phone clerk told the head guy to go, you know what himself. And he says, you are the phone clerk. And I had never been <laughs> in my life. Well, that cost the company a lot of money that day because I didn't know what an OCO, MOC, or any of that stuff was. Um, then I came back to New York, clerked at my father's company. He was a big silver, one of the biggest silver traders in the world at one time, uh, chairman of the Comex Exchange. And uh, he started the clearinghouse on NYMEX. I helped continue it on the New York Mercantile Exchange. I was a gold trader for my first two years. And then when the Gulf War you know, kicked in, I went over to NYMEX and I never looked back. Uh, so I traded in the pits for, you know, probably 20 plus years, served as chairman or co-chairman of every major committee at the exchange. I was, the, uh, believe it or not, this was the face of NYMEX for a while on CNBC and Fox. Uh, I brought them down to the trading floors, you know, way before other people did. Um, and then I became um, on the board, I was one of the youngest board members in history, as well as one of the youngest executive committee members. But more importantly, I was on the board during some crazy times through, you know, the Russian coup, long-term uh, management, um, you know, the two Gulf Wars, Katrina, you know, countless, you know, world events that we saw how it shaped the market, as well as the transition. I have a class that I teach, a lecture on the transition of open outcry trading, um, how it happened, why it happened, the players, the politics, the war between the New York Mercantile Exchange and the Intercontinental Exchange, who won, and most importantly, the effects on the world energy markets. 
uh, and actually the world markets as a whole, because the um, the, de the definition of trading changed the minute the machine it went to machines, and for a lot of different reasons, which we can talk about throughout this um, throughout this podcast. I think what'll be interesting too is one of the things that this new generation of investors, and ultimately they really started coming in the last two or three years, let's just say COVID really accelerated that. Stay um, at home. Stay at home, obviously. This is easy. The market goes straight up. <laughs> exactly. So right now with what, what has happened essentially, I mean, the market, we're in a bear market right now, technically, of course, but you know, looking back at your experience, where is it that the new generation of traders or investors needs to really go back and study their history books, especially in the world of finance right now? Well, it's interesting. A couple of things. What I teach them when I, when I lecture in classes, I said, throw everything you ever learned that in the past 20 or 30 years and throw it out the window. Um, I have an argument going on with one of the major colleges now that will I go in and help revamp their school or not? But simply because, you know, I know what Syracuse is doing up at the management school is they're getting, they're kind of like putting their professors in the back row um, that they can't fire, but they're bringing in professors of practice um, to come in and teach these kids what real, what real life is about. And, you know, it's a, it's a whole different world. You know, with, if you look back when I started trading between the transfer of money, the amount of um, technology that was out there, the communications out there, we got to remember when they built the World Trade Center, it was simply so this way runners didn't have to think about where we've come. Runners would go from one side of New York to the other with the, with the tickets and the certificates. And then they build a trade center so they only have to go up and down floors. Then we go to the pit trading, then we go to electronic trading. Now we're going to phone trading and even you can trade on your watch, right? Mm -hmm. So the entire market structure has changed. And, and you know, it's so funny, we talk about a bear market. I made most of my money on the short side. And the problem is most people have no clue how to trade the short side, especially the younger traders today. Um, and they're getting into such trouble. I have this thing called the trading shrink. Um, actually, it's trading shrink on Instagram and it's the tradingshrink.com as far as my website. And I talk about the psychology of trade. And what you learn is I was a risk manager for a couple hundred traders. And, you know, I always knew there was a difference between a guy was trading well. And then when he wasn't, it had nothing to do with him being a bad trader. It was all it was all up here. You know, and it was either stuff going on at home with his wife and his girlfriend or both or who knows. Um, so what the, what the younger generation has to understand, and this has been the most difficult, why so many people have gotten hurt in this latest round of the market, is that you've had a generation and a half of, you know, you got to buy the dip, you know, and just I want to like smack these people in the head. <laughs> buy the dip. You know, we, we got, what is it? We got diamond hands. Remind me to tell you about my public trade. My public pharmacy trade, okay, on that one. Because I had a whole thing. I made so much money on my, off my pharmacist and not in that way in trading. So, um, you know, so these, this younger generation got very lucky for 15 years that they could buy every dip. Now, what I've explained to people is that there's, you know, this dollar cost averaging bullshit that I like to believe in, okay, or that people like to believe in. So there's, a, there's different definitions of when you should buy. So if you're going to buy the dip just because it came off, well, that's dumb. Right. And everybody's learned that if you're dollar cost averaging, just to say you're dollar cost averaging, because there's a very fine line between dollar cost averaging and adding to a bad position. OK, and most people don't understand that. That's what I teach in my lectures. And you know, the whole point is, when you go into a trade, if you buy that dip or you buy that or you want a dollar cost average, you need to look at it, the trade as if you didn't have the trade on. And would you buy that stock or that commodity there and why? Okay, so what happened was in this latest round, when all these people are getting destroyed this year, 
because let's think about it. They start buying, especially everybody, everybody tend to have gotten into this when it hit the rock bottom during COVID, right? Because then the stimulus checks came out. What can I do? Oh, I can trade. It's easy, right? So what happens is they go like this. Okay. And I can't tell you how many people at the end of last year in December, I spoke to them. Like I said, listen, you got to take some profits. You know, in my way, we always took some, something off the table, you know, 25% off the trade. I have a very interesting trading style to make sure I never lose on a winning position. And then, you know how many people said, I don't want to pay the taxes. I love that one. I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I mean, there were years I paid stupid taxes and I once walked into my father's office so pissed because if you're paying a lot in taxes, it means you're making a lot of money. So shut up and pay your taxes, right? So what happened was people on this market, because it's been this parabolic market really since 08, but 08, you could buy each dip and be fine, right? Well, then 2020 comes 2021 and then 2022 comes. So let's talk about 2020 to 21. You go up, you go up, you go up. Everybody had their initial position, so they start adding. They start tearing up. Right thing to do, right? You add to it, you add to it, you add to it. Nobody takes enough off, okay? You know, you can have your initial position and keep trading around. You can be long 100 lots and keep going in and out 50 lots all the way up, you know? I'm just giving you small numbers. And still make a lot of money while this position is still rising. But most people didn't do that. Most people, they added, they added, they added, they added. So we're at December of last year. We're at almost 37,000, right? Then all of a sudden, we come off. Okay, what do they do? Oh, you got to buy the dip. Mm-hmm. Okay. What and, then, and then we come off, we got to buy the dip. And then we come off, we got to buy the dip. Oh, that dip worked. Okay, oh, we just came off, we came off. So what ends up happening is that you lose on the ramp up of all the stuff that you bought, and now you're doubling down. So you're getting killed on both sides of the triangle. Okay, and when that happens, it's an exponential loss. And that's why when you see so many of these times this leapfrogging effect of where these sell-offs happen, because, you know, you got margin calls, you got risk managers saying stuff. You, and most importantly, you got guys, you know, like I have a friend of mine that owns a very large, you know, high frequency trading firm. And, you know, they have the psychology. These guys are all traders on the floor. They know where the pain points are. They know how it works. So they know what, what's going to, where it's going to be in the, in the high frequency trading firms that everybody pisses on. And I'll explain why I have different views on that, you know, later. But you know what? They wash out the market. And they just know that people are going to puke. So, and then what happens? They puke and they get this little rally like last week. Oh, and we're all comfy again because once it rallies once, it's got to keep going up. Okay, and then guess what? It doesn't. So, you know, the, what's happening with the, with the younger mindset of the traders literally in the last 15 years, it's like, you know, it's like seeing a, a different color light than they've ever seen and they're not used to it and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. But they don't realize that it's a, I lived for being short. I mean, they used to kid around and said, I didn't need the left side of my pad till the end of the day. And the reason why I love a short market and why I do so well in a down market is that I teach in my classes about the pulley system. Okay, so you have a bucket and a, a market that goes up is like taking a bucket and pulling it up with a bucket of water, right? Well, it's slow and meticulous and can be boring and it's hard to hold sometimes. Well, if you're short and you let go of the bucket, what happens? Mm. Bucket drops like a rock, okay? You make a lot of money quickly. You say, thank you very much, you walk away. So I live for the short positions. Um, and I think that's part of the problem that most traders of today, they don't understand how to trade from both sides of the market. Well, no, I was just, I was going to ask was, um, how do you set yourself up in terms of looking at what metrics to establish your, your trends or your cycles that you know, for example, like me and Dan, for example, for the last year and a half, much of what's been going on now, we've been discussing it with a lot of our guests and we've been hypothesizing about certain macro conditions that would lead up to certain micro market cycles. But for yourself, yourself specifically, or from your experience, what, 
what allows you to build up that perspective so you know when to start shifting your outlook on the market? The market will tell you. Market always tells you. Okay. The problem is sometimes you're too you're too far looking at the macros rather than mm -hmm. looking at what's right in front of you. Okay. Um, it's like I had this argument the other day, and finally Kathy Woods, who we <laughs> put out an ETF with at the end of December, which is not exactly the best timing. <laughs> Um, but Kathy Woods came out that we're in a recession, right? So I had a big fight at the bar the other night. And this guy is like, he's like, we're going, we're going to go in a recession. I'm like, no, we're not. And he's like, we're going to go in a recession. I'm like, no, we're not. So he finally tells me, he says, what are you talking about? You moron. We're going to go in, the, in a recession. I go, we're not. He goes, how can you say that? I said, because we're in one. Okay. And that's the problem though, because I want you guys to think about this as new traders that, and, and if you think about it, the story has already been told, Right. So you talk about macros. Everybody is waiting for the government to come out with their stupid report, okay, that's going to say we had negative growth, blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to tell you when the recession started six months ago. Okay, so okay, we can all wait for that. Or we can go to the supermarket. And I was just there the other day and they're, and they're missing products. I see what I'm paying for bills. I know it's pinching me. So it's pinching me. It's pinching the, you know, so many other people. I know very wealthy people in their sports cars and Lamborghinis that are bitching about how much it costs to, you know, to fill up. Now, it's a little bit of an oxymoron. However, with that being said, they're still talking about it, yeah. right? And, you know, and also you see people suffering all around the country. Mm -hmm. I don't need the government to tell me, mm -hmm. okay, in the past 3,000 or 4,000 points when they were talking about food prices and fertilizer issues and all this other stuff that we are in the recession. And you know, and they might never say that we're in a recession, but you know what? Ask the guy down the block how he's feeling, mm -hmm. you know, and can he go, you know, pay his car payment, go pay for gas, take his kids to the movies, do blah, 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 that he could do two years ago. So, but the other key thing is you want to talk about macros. Let's look at the different type of macros. We got to stop focusing on the macros that we always used to look on. This is the first time you guys are so lucky because I didn't have this when I was younger. I had to wait for those stupid reports that, by the way, get revised every month anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like, how do you trust a report, a government mm -hmm. report, where there's some 35-year-old or 25-year-old making 40 grand a year, putting a report together, they put a report out, it shifts the whole market, you get you get shaken out, and then they do the revision the next month that if they would have had the right number to begin with, you would have been fine on your position, right? Correct. Well, what do we have now? Let's, let's really think about this for a second. Jamie Dimon did not come out with that statement a few weeks ago about a hurricane, financial hurricane, or economic hurricane for nothing. It's one of two things. Either he wants to be first out of the gate to say that because he knows if he is, he'll look like a superstar, or he's willing to take the risk that if it doesn't happen, everyone's going to forget about it anyway, which is, you know, partially true. But for the first time in history, now really think about this, because it's probably the most important thing I've ever said. The first time in history, we have the technology to get microdata per moment, per second, per day from public companies. When Tesla says they're dropping 10% of the workforce, when, UV, you know, when Credit Suisse does, when all these companies are coming out, when my friend that owns all the big malls in New York, right, calls me up, he says, David, we saw the drop off in sales. And by the way, we can tell you who's, you know, who's buying what, who's not, what stores are hurting, what stores are not hurting on a second to second momentary day. Think about Jamie Dimon. He's got everybody's mortgage, credit cards, bank account, you know, stock trading accounts, all this stuff. So they can take all this microdata and, the, and plus the AI and forecast literally what's going to happen tomorrow. So, you know, to sit there and say, well, you know, we're waiting for it to say on CNBC or Fox that we are officially in a recession. Okay. It's like me when I, when I gained a lot of weight. Okay. 
I didn't need somebody to announce it. I could tell, you know, so, you know, luckily I've lost 45 pounds. So we're getting, <laughs> you look, you look great. You look amazing, by the way. Thank, thank you very much. I'm still come here. It'll probably get reversed. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's been a bad couple of weeks here too. So, um, you know, but what I'm saying is that, you know, so you talk about metrics, right? The market will tell you, you know, your trades will tell you it's very simple. Trading is about pain and pleasure or investing is about pain and pleasure. So well, sentiment, about, you could say yeah, sentiment that, is, a sen- is a metric. Right, but your own sentiment is a metric too. Mm-hmm. If you're not sleeping at night or you're not feeling good about your position, get the fuck out, okay? And if you get out and it goes your way, don't beat yourself up. It happens, okay? And that's where the mindset of trading, when I talk about the mindset of trading and investing, you know, happens because we did, I mean, I used to, if I had one of my pads, we had these pads that were this thick, we would go through four or five of them a day, just in, out, in, out. And if I had to, you know, assess every losing trade I had or every bad move I have, you know, it would drive me bonkers. And that's why they, I was one out of like 17 traders that they brought down to Quantico to talk to the generals about how we made decisions so quickly in the pit, trading our own money. Mm-hmm. You got to remember too, like a lot of your traders, I traded my own money. So, you know, it's not like these guys that trade funds and stuff. And if their funds down 10%, well, okay. So they might not get their bonus or whatever, but you know, it's not affecting their you know immediate portfolio. Um, but, you know, you got to understand that it's all about the mindset and getting used to it. So when you're in a trade or in, a, in an investment, I always say take some profit, right? So let's, and this is the way I put it, if you got 100 IBM shares and you sell at 50, everybody says, well, I'm only long 50. I'm like, no, you're long 50, but now you're short the 50 of your original position. Okay, so if you, if you buy these at 100, you sell these at 102. Okay, don't forget about these things. Because all of a sudden these sales look shitty because it goes up to 103, 104, 105. Well, these buys, you know, are good. If all of a sudden you focus on that, you remember that you sold those and those at 102 are now at 101 and a half, 101, you're like, damn, those were good sales. Okay. Well, then, you know, your buys suck. Okay. So if people can start looking even from trading within the, within an intra-trade and your trade will tell you whether it's going your way or not, your portfolio will. Do you know how many people started feeling pain in the portfolio, you know, the third week in January, you know, and then, and then, you know, it's like, I put on my thing, it's like, when you hear the word hope, and I'm going to clean this up for your viewers, because that's the way we talk about it on the floor. But I said, hope is, you know, hope is in a bathroom, but it's a whole other thing. I said, hope's on a blind date and it's not going well. There's no hope in trading. And how many times in this sell-off did you maybe say to yourself, God, I hope this thing rallies tomorrow? Uh, not a few times. I mean, I've been, I've been hedged in this market. My, as, as the market was going down, I had positions that were going up, but continue because because you gotta remember you're a sophisticated trader most the most people out there yeah 100 you know you know luckily you have the background for that but a lot of the, your viewers yeah. and a lot of people I'm, no, you know, absolutely you know they're they just don't have the certificate you know futures positions and hedges and texas hedges and options and all the other stuff they're just buy long and stay long and, yeah. and pray for the best that's the thing i've realized is a lot of them they don't seem to understand that all markets have cycles to them and if you don't know at which point of the cycle you're in you can easily get blindsided sure and also all markets you know i was a drummer i'm a drummer so um you know when you know how you can share the crescendo in music you know when you listen to a rock song you just know when that symbol's gonna punch yep well after that symbol punches there's always a little down you Mm -hmm. know and then they bring it back up so markets are like is a lot like music there's a rhythm to the market Mm -hmm. and it goes back to when i tell people don't take trade too many stocks you know, if you can find three or four or five stocks that you can become an expert on and moves enough, 
You'll make money. You don't need to have 40 stocks on your screen to look like you're here because nobody can follow. I mean, I just traded crude oil. I never went over to natural gas or heating oil. Heating oil was literally three feet away from me um, because you learn every stock, you know, will have its own personality, will have its own rhythm, right? Will have its own cadence. And, you know, you don't need to be the big shot saying, I, I you know, I, I, I trade all these stocks. You show me a guy that trades one stock well, or a girl that trades one stock well and makes a fortune doing it. I'm much happier talking to them than somebody's trading 30 stocks, posting mm-hmm. how many stocks they're trading. And they haven't made anything because it's just too impossible to learn that many stocks. Well, because they, like you said, they know how it behaves. And that's something that I've accumulated over the last seven to eight years that I've been doing this is like, there's certain stocks that behave a certain way at depending right. on different cycles, you know? And it's true. Like when I started, I was like, Oh my God, I got to pick different stocks and stuff. It's just like, right. no, stick to things that you understand because right. there's always going to be things that you don't understand and let leave that to somebody else, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's okay to leave it to somebody else. There's enough totally. to go around. And if you can find a stock, let's say you're into sports, go for all the sporting stocks that you, because you know what, you'll read up on it, you'll understand, you'll be attuned to what's going on. If you're you know, into stocks, if you're a mining guy and loves about mining, well, go into mining stocks, mm-hmm. you know? Go into something that like, you know, I knew the crude oil market beat, you know, like, you know, I just could feel the heartbeat of that market. You know, yeah, was I wrong sometimes? And one of the reasons why I stopped trading years ago heavy was that when it went electronic, there were days that, you know, let's say crude's up, when crude would be up $2 for the day, which was, it would be an extraordinary day in my world. Well, you knew there was going to be selling coming in to be profit taking. And there's just, you could go into the close short and not even think twice about it. Now it could be up $2. Okay, and then the, the you know the close comes. It'll be up another three by the time that you push the button. You know, so you know I didn't know the market like I like I used to, especially when the first you know electronic trading stuff was happening. And you know, and that was a big deal for I immediately. You know how many traders that didn't transition well, basically most of us, from the floor to you know computerized simply because computerized trading allowed allowed tsunami of order flow coming in to give now the market's extension of volatility that it never had when I was trading. I want to kind of build on the oil discussion because you and you and I have had some interesting debates over uh, Instagram DM about the current pricing of oil and what, what's ultimately happening. Um, you, you've you've obviously lived through every cycle with regards to that, particularly with war related and stuff like that. But we're in a position right now, and this is me putting my macro hat on. I'll put my trader hat on in a second, but I'll let you fill that gap. You know, when you're seeing the amount of supply that's lacking in that market right now. And unfortunately, the leadership of a particular country right now doesn't want to invest in energy independence. Um, my thesis, and Nick's thesis and I, and I think him and I agree on that, is we, we believe that oil has to go higher just based on simple supply and demand dynamics. My sure. understanding is you believe that at some point this thing is going to come down and it's going to surprise a lot of people. Why do you say that? And what is it that what is it about oil that makes it such a fascinating trade at times, especially in this crazy world that we're in? Asher, what's what's the price of gasoline um, related to at this minute right now? So in Canada, we're at about two two ten a liter. So liter. that's about yeah. So that's about well, six bucks. Say, you know, because I'm an idiot. Let's go American. So <laughs> um, so let's say you got five six dollar gasoline prices here. Why? Well, we have taxes. If you have government taxes that are involved in that, especially in Canada, you have the fact there's a, well, there, then there's also the fact that a lot of banking and funds no longer want to invest and provide capital to allow for um, innovation and price reduction. 
So nice. you're kind of fixed on that. Uh, they're capping future supplies, which kind of brings uh, your future supply to a limit. There's nothing to the front month. Okay. Front three months. I'll, I'll give you a simple answer. Mm. Okay. When crude is at $147 and night in two, we had this conversation, 2008, right? And by the way, it went from 147 down to 35. 35. Right. Yeah. Um, gas was cheaper than it is now. But theoretically, with the cost of inflation, it was more expensive than it is now. But the reason why gas prices, now what? What was crude today? 112 or 117? I haven't even looked. 112 right now, yeah. Okay, so we're, we're $35 cheaper, but yet the price is higher, right? Even though if you adjust it to inflation. There's nothing to do with the supply and demand right now. It has to do with refiners, okay? And the problem that we have with the refiners, if you opened up five new refiners in the United States, two in the East Coast, two in the West, one you know, in the deep South, North, nah, I'm not going to worry about North Dakota. I'm sorry. But um, for all your viewers in North Dakota, I apologize. Okay. But if you had state-of-the-art refineries, the price of a gasoline would come dropping like a rock. You have refineries that are 35, 40 years old that are, that are broken, that maybe they're running at 80% capacity. Maybe on a good day, they're running at 85% capacity. Um, and more importantly, and yes, the one thing that will agree with you, and there's a great podcast on my, on my Discord now, I interviewed a very good friend of mine, one of the head traders from uh, Chevron, the head physical oil traders. And he explained the RVO, which is a tax, okay, for ethanol and everything else, the way that it's blended, okay? And with, under Trump, okay, it was three cents a barrel. And under Biden, it's about 70 cents a barrel. Okay? But if you think about it, but hold on, if you think about it, 70 cents when it went from two to $3 was a much bigger number than where it is now. So yeah, there is a 70 cents per gallon, you know, VIG, um, but it's not as much as everybody thinks. And the other thing that happened is that the shell guys got smart. You know, yes, they, you know, they did close down some of the things, but you know, these guys that were pumping gas and were at $30 gas or, you know, $30 oil or $40 oil, whatever the hell it was, you know, they, they realized that they're a little OPEC, that if they pull back, okay, you know, they got, you know, all of a sudden they start making real money. And they're like, wait a minute, why sell it at this price when I can sell it at this price? So they pull back itself, okay? And, you know, you add on to the fact that, um, what was the third fact that I want to say? So you got the RVO, which is the tax. You got, you know, the refineries. And, the problem, and then what happened was when, and you should really, this guy explains it much better than me. So a lot of the refineries, when under Trump, got certain deals that they shouldn't have gotten because they weren't really, they weren't really covered by it, but they gave them anyway. But other refineries did have the deals they needed. What happened was literally the day that Biden got into office, he struck all those deals out. And where it didn't hurt the big refineries, there are a lot of smaller refineries that had to shut down because of this RBO and, and carbon credits. And what people don't realize, according to this guy, and again, you should listen to it on Discord, is that you know when they blend it with the ethanol and all the other stuff to make it more, it's actually worse for the environment. It doesn't- Terrible. Yeah, the molecule, you're better off with pure gasoline yeah, we find because it doesn't go. The molecules don't dissipate like they're supposed, like the other stuff. So it's all, it's kind of like you know it's a bullshit game. And by the way, I'm speaking as a full independent. I think both sides are completely whacked out now. Mm -hmm. I voted for both sides over time, and I think there should be a strong independent party in this country that goes be with whoever you want, you know, sleep with whoever you want, live however you want, but let's have a fiscal smart you know way about doing business, right? You know, these both parties have gone so far out to the side. Yeah. Like, you know, I had, you know, I had an argument just at, at lunch, you know, some older woman 
uh, about Roe versus Wade. And, you know, mm-hmm. I get it. And I don't, I don't disagree with it, but she says, you know, what's next? And I'm like, what? She goes first, next, you know, and she was probably about 80. She goes next, you're not going to have an inter, they're going to ban interracial relationships, you know, and they're going to ban, I go, hold on for a second. <laughs> I know says, where she got that from. Right. And I said, where did you get that from? Oh, I heard it on television. <laughs> yeah, the view, the view, the view said that. What's her name? The oh, did she? Oh, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, she said it. Oh, she literally I said it. I saw right. the quote. She posted it. She literally said, "Next thing you know, um, uh, Thomas, uh, Supreme Justice Thomas, he's going to be Clarence. Uh, pr- Clarence, Clarence is going to prohibit it from being married to his white uh, white wife." Right, and it's like, let's not. That's just such a far. Listen, I don't think that they should have overturned it. I'm not. I'm totally against the overturnal. But hold on for a second, okay? It's we're not going there. You know, and they said, oh, they're going to get rid of gay marriage. They're not getting rid of my, listen, my gay people in my family, they're not getting rid of gay marriage. They're not getting given, but everybody brings it to these extremes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm, I'm upset about it. I think it should have stayed. Okay. But it is what it is. But I'm like, they bring it to these levels now because of these programs that people watch. And it's like, you know, I wish we could have a program like that. You know, oh, that's right. It's called CNBC um, <laughs> where where they go, the stocks are getting murdered today and it's down 150 points on a, on a market that's- a Bar- Markets in turmoil with, with right, Markets in turmoil. I used to go on CNBC when they go, crude oil got crushed today. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's awful for the market. And I would be the guy and go, I'd go, Scott, what are you talking about? It's an instant <laughs> tax cut for everybody. It's not bad. It's a good thing when oil goes down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's so funny how they just, you know, one day it's like the world's coming to an end and the next day the market's up. We're in euphoria. It's the best time ever. So, you know, we're in that living at the world. If you talk about the metrics again, you know, I tell people, listen, I was on CNBC and Fox for years. I'm telling you, don't listen to me. You know, I mean, I always went on flat and they used to say to me, why do you go on flat every time? I had no position or is it completely hedged out? And I would say to them, I go, listen, when was the last time somebody came in long and said that I think the market's going down? you know, or short. And I think the mm-hmm. market's going up. I said, you have somebody, and this is also what I teach in my trading positions that most people don't realize. Let's just digress for a second. Everybody says there's two trading positions, long and short. And I'm like, nope, there's three trading positions. There's long, short, and flat. And flat is the most important trading position. Totally. Because think clearly. And there have been times that I've been, you know, long 50 lots of crude, and I have been flat for literally a millisecond. I'm like, nope, fuck it. I'm going to get back in. I didn't care about paying up to two cents to get back in. Because it gave me a view of the market where I would go from, you know, 50, you know, to flat to short 20, you know, so, you know what, it's, it's this whole thing about, you know, we're talking about what your metrics are, mm-hmm. your metrics should be up here and keep your mm-hmm. eyes and ears. I think to, to, to build on that too, when you're, when you're in a flat trade, at least, you know, what's at risk, right? And that's kind of like, cause you're, you're risking your own capital at that point. Right. Risk, risk is subjective, by the way, it's right. not two dimensional as, as, as I'm sure we know. So when you have that, you have a different psychological reaction in that moment. Right. So, right. you know, it's, it, it's such a perfect example of, you know, when people are looking at a stock chart, they're always like, oh, well, I should have bought, you know, two years ago and I would have made like 10 times my money. And I'm like, but guess what? You didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. And not only that, and then when it comes off and they go to the bathroom, oh, I would have held on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you would have held on. Right. You, you know, you were down from 10,000 in your account to 500. You would have been fine with that. You know, I mean, it's just, it, you know, it's like I tell people I once sold crude oil. At ten dollars and seventy five cents an hour, seventy five cents a, a barrel, and I was uh, Anderson Cooper, you know, uh, interviewed me that day. And by the way, it was that was up from nine dollars, okay? 
And um, so he says, so what do you think? I'm like, ah, it's going lower. OPEC can't get that crap together. They never can. Meanwhile, that was the last time it ever traded that low, you know, until the market went to reverse last year, which we could talk about that for a second. But so he calls me and goes, oh, that was worldwide. Uh, do you think that they're, the Arabs are watching some dumb Jew from New York saying you know, <laughs> that, you know, they can't get their act together? It was just a good joke. But um, you know what? It's Mark, you know, to say it, like I've bought and sold crude oil at almost every dollar level since $10 up to 147 and down. And people need to realize that trade's the trade. If I would have known, you know, everybody's hindsight, you know, is 2020. Oh, and I love when people are like, oh, I would have bought it on that day. You know, and I'm like, then you pull the chart back, right? And then you go, oh, by the way, that dip just went all the way down there. And then it went up, you know, oh, I would have held on. You know, so <laughs> it's like, you know, I was lucky enough to see people's positions every day. And there was a classic time it was actually, it was when my father was in with one of our customers in the elevator. And this guy's, Gold was uh, like $30 or $50 higher on some news. And the guy's like, I'm long 300. He's telling everybody, I'm long 300 gold contracts. And he's like telling everybody in the elevator. My father walks out with him and is like, you're long 30. I saw your positions. <laughs> you know, being part of a clearing, ahead of the clearing house, you got to see everybody's position. Hmm. So what it taught me was that one, and this is what your viewers should know, everybody lies. Always. You know, they don't tell you, they exaggerate on what they make. They exaggerate on less on what they lost. And my father gave me the best advice when it came to when people said, so how'd you do today? And he said, David, if you tell them how much you made, they're, gonna not, they're not happy for you. They say they are, but they're not. And if you got your ass kicked, they're kind of happy because it's not them. Mm-hmm. So my answer was always the same. I made a few bucks. I lost a few bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know what? It takes the, you know, the ego out of it. And what you find, especially with the younger traders, is that they start trading. Like I, ha- I was a medium-sized trader, right? I would go make 10, 20,000, at least 10, 20,000. I could deal with that. There are guys in my clearinghouse, some of the biggest crude oil and gold traders in the world. They can make two, 250 in a day, lose 500 in a day, go out for dinner and like have a bottle of wine. Not think twice about it, but if I lose 10 grand, I want to go home and throw the dog out the window, right? <laughs> so what you need to do is you need to be comfortable in your own skin on, you talk about risk and what risk is relative. Risk is relative to what you're comfortable with and what you can sleep in positions at night or where you can go to the bathroom and not freak out, right? So, um, so what, what I would say to some of your viewers is stop listening to other people and do not compete with other people. Like when you hear somebody, oh, I made 10,000, but you only made a thousand. Well, you know what? I remember one day when I walked in from the floor and my father ripped me to shreds on this one. I was a new trader and I was like, ah, I screwed up. I only made $800 today. And he literally slammed the door through it, said, sit down on the fucking couch. And I'm like, what? He goes, your grandfather was a bagel baker. He goes, do you know how many bagels he had to make to, to make $800? And you know what? It's about keeping everything in perspective. Totally. Because what, what a lot of young traders do, don't realize is that your affordable trading years are not as long as you think. Mm. Okay. Because what happens? We trade like nuts when we're younger. We make a lot of money. And then we might have a family. Then we might have a kid. And we all tighten up a little bit because you don't want to lose the kids, you know, school and this, that, or whatever. And, you know, you start trading a little bit differently. But a lot of these people is that they can't control their own trading, right? They overtrade um, simply because they want to compete with the guy next to them. Or the girl next to him. And that's the worst thing you can do. That's such a valuable lesson because, you know, that is what sort of this new culture of traders, or as Nick and I like to call sort of the fintech influencers of like, you know, yeah, or I had a broker call them the headline babies, which essentially right. means they're just chasing the next headline, right. trying to get it. And it's just like, no, like focus on what you understand. Or at least get an education first before what happens. And I want to bring something up because I remember when Clubhouse was still a thing. Right. We, we were in the same room 
And this was when Bitcoin had done its whole little spiel though, up to about 66,000. Right. And you, you, yeah, I was, I was listening to it. I was literally at this desk. I had my phone on and you were in the room and I think it was a couple other traders in there. And this kid was just like, guys, it's going to a hundred thousand. And you literally dropped the hammer. You said, well, why, 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 you, why, why, why? No, I just said, why? Yeah. You know, and it was silence. I'm like, no, no, why? Explain and, to me. And he's like, because oh, uh, it, it is. He had no explanation for it. In my mind, I was just like, risk management. That's right. the lesson there. So right. how, how do you get that out to people? Like, it's all about risk management at the end of the day with this stuff. Well, Not- I have, if, if I can show you a thing, that a piece of artwork that was made with all my news clippings and everything, it was called Life's a Trade. Okay, and I always say life's a trade, and I have a whole lecture on, you know, everything in life is a risk reward trade. Doing this, doing this interview for me was a risk reward trade. Okay, what happens if I just, you know, not in the mood? I say something I'm not supposed to, and I have no agreement. Okay, and you put it out on a loop. Okay, and my reputation goes to shit, right? Or maybe I say something really good, and you guys put it out on a loop, and my reputation gets risen. Yeah, so everything we do is a risk reward, but these guys don't, and the girls don't understand that everything's risk reward, you know, and everybody only hears the hype. They hear about the influencers. They hear about this, they're, you know, like the great, it's like, I once said, you know, two things. When I closed the trading floor, when we finally, they sold the building, we had a whole, we had all the traders back. I made this speech and I go, just remember, we were the guys and girls that told each other this F off to their face. And we weren't, we were definitely concerned because it was a $5,000 fine and a, two-day suspension if you hit somebody. And there were people that felt it was worth it, right? And you, they would take, you know, a few people took some people out. But now everybody's like mean over their keyboards and, you know, whatever, and calling each other names, whatever. Um, but we had, to face, we had to face what was really there. And the problem with the youth of today is they're all hiding behind their keyboards. They all think they're big shots. Mm-hmm. But the more importantly, like the day after Katrina, Katrina was one of my best trading days ever. You know, um, it was great. Okay. Because what happened was 2005, March- right? August, 2005. Yeah. We all had our best year, 2005 and our worst year, 2006, when they, you want to talk about hitting a wall when they hit, when they turned the computers on. So, um, so 2005, and by the way, we had like 20 something named storms in 2005. So it was just a remarkable year for everybody on the floor. But, you know, in the beginning, the market came in and eh, nothing really happened. Then they thought there was more damage or went up. Then they said, oh, there's not much damage. And when it just spiked that down, then they found out the tidal surge ripped out all the piping underneath the waters. It went up, right? I had a banner day. I didn't, thank God, there was no posting. There was no anything. You know what I did? I went home. I made myself a steak. Okay. I took a shower and I came back and I did it again. You know, we traded again the next day. You know, nobody was sitting there giving, nobody walked out that day giving each other high fives or head bumps or fist bumps or like, it was, our, it was our damn job. We were supposed to trade these markets. We were waiting for these markets. And when these markets happen, we don't always make money, but you know, there's enough craziness in the market that we tended, we tended to, but there was no ego behind it. We felt fucking great, right? We felt like kings of the universe. We felt like nobody can do this crap because by the way, you know, there are thousands of lawyers, millions of lawyers, millions of doctors, millions of everything else. There are only a few thousand floor traders at every, any given time. And we were you know, quite a unique breed to say the least. Um, for a lot of different reasons. But, you know, we didn't walk around and look at each other and go, yeah, you the man, you know, you the man, you know, we're going to let's tell the world what we just made. Let's show how great we are. Let's what we just went home, took a shower because we sweated like crap. We smelled like crap. And our wives didn't want to go near us until we took a shower. There's pen all over our shirts and our trading jackets. We were sweating all day. We just went home and guess what? I took the two hour commute in and just did it again. You know, and that's the problem with today. They're not trading for themselves. They're trading for the hype. 
I, I love yeah. what you just said though, because it's all about consistency and just mm-hmm. showing up every day. Yeah. Even when you don't want to fucking do it, because there right. are days where you wake up, you're like, I don't want to get out of bed right now. But if you just do it, you get out and you just fucking stick to your craft and stay consistent, you'll get rewarded for it. Well, right? It's interesting that you said that because I use it in my lectures a lot, especially with the crystal generation. That's what I call them. <laughs> the um, snowflakes. No, no, the crystal generation. They look they look great, but they break easily. <laughs> so um, and I remember my first day and, you know, coming in as a as a runner. And this guy that I was working for, a big mafia guy in Chicago. And I walked in, and I'm like, I'm going to be the best broker you've ever seen. I'm going all, I'm like this 20-something-year-old kid. I'm like, you know, hyper. That I'm like, great. This is going to be great. I love this place. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, he goes, David, sit down and shut the fuck up. Now, you know, back then, you could talk to 20 years mm-hmm. like that. And they didn't run out and go, mom, he <laughs> made me feel safe. You know, and this guy was a mafia guy. that I, had a, I went to start work. They told me to come back in two weeks because his friend was just found in a ditch. And he was taking some time off. Okay, so I've been talking. This is like real mafia stuff. So, mm. and this guy, I was scared of this guy, you know. But he says to me, "Just sit down and just shut up." So, I'm, so what do I do? I sit down and I shut up. And um, he goes to me, he goes, "David, you see that trading floor out there?" It's like, yeah. He says, "Pretty cool, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "One of these days, you're not going to want to come in and get spit on. You're not going to want to get smacked in the head. You're not going to have holding some trader up and your back hurting. You're not going to want to feel like your legs are giving up at the end of the day. You're not going to deal with the pressure, the anxiety." And you're just not going to want to come in. And it's going to be a job like every other job. And they said, however, if you can become consistent, you can create a great thing for your family and your future, as long as you realize this is all part of it. And that's what gets me a little bit crazy when everybody's like, I need to find the job that I'm most happy. In. Well, that's why God invented weekends and vacations. You know, we, very few people, there are people, very few people, and I envy those people, I'm jealous of those people, the musicians, the actors on Broadway, um, the artists that truly wake up every day loving what they do. But damn, back to your point, it's like sometimes you wake up and you just don't want to get out of bed, but you got to show up. Yep. You know? And the most important thing about trading too, and I'm, I've been pushing this on the trading shrink, is that when you're trading your own money, the best part about trading is you don't need to trade. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you're not in the mindset and you're not prepared and you don't want to do it, and you're and more importantly, you know, I deal with a lot of pain issues from 9-11 and all the other stuff that I've been through. Um, if I'm in a lot of pain, I'm not going to trade because when you're in pain, it takes the pain of the market away from you. Mm-hmm. And the minute you stop feeling like my father stopped really trading heavy and silver when he said to me, because I wasn't afraid of the market anymore. Mm-hmm. And you always have to have a healthy fear of the market because if you don't, the market will carry you. It makes out. sense. It's like, it's, it, it's like, even in human psychology, without the lack of external pressure, you become, you kind of develop this, this kind of ignorant privilege position oh, yeah. where you look at things horribly wrong yeah my my clerk used to laugh i used to walk in and i used to get my double espresso three minutes before the close and you know he used to i used to kind of say you know what let's go make another five tenth of thousand for the day and he would just shake his head like no this. you know and then i'd walk in i'd walk out of the pit he looked at me he goes, you lost the entire day didn't you he goes like yeah no because every time you say that <laughs> you get your ass kicked when you Always. feel entitled to go in there and say you know what i'm just gonna and that's another thing with these young traders are like if you want to get out of position, don't go for the extra penny or nickel or whatever. You know, I know how many times in my early days, I'm like, oh, I just want to make another five cents on it. Greed. You know? And then I'm like, it's like, boom, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. When I said, I just want to make a five cents, that was my gut saying to me, it's time to get out of trade, yep. but let's try to push it a little bit more. When your gut tells you, you know, I tell people, you know, I, I tend not to use any limit orders. You know, I'm like, you know, because for the extra penny that it's going to cost to get into something, you know, 
I'm like, if you, you know, especially the way the reason was because my market moved so quickly. And there are times I had to pay up a nickel to get into a trade. It's like, it would be at five, I'd be 10 bid. And somebody would say, sold because they thought it, and then also it's 10 bid, 20 bid, 30 bid, 40 bid. But, you know, I have a, a you know, a, a trading tip is like, you know, if you want to get in the trade, hit the bid or take the offer, just do the damn trade. Yeah. You know, because sometimes by trying to get it that extra penny or two, either way, you can miss the trade, you know, or you can stay in the trade too long. Um, but you're right. It's great. You're, you're never going to get, you're never going to get that perfect entry. Right? Well, that's the issue though. Right. Most, the thing is because, well, first off, most of them have entered only when things appeared easy. So they don't right. have much of a sense of how they real. It's like, if you take a child, you put him in the jungle and it's like, I don't know what the jungle is. So you're, right. you're, your food at that point. And right. then the point is they're trying to aim for a perfect trade because they want as much as possible within each trade. So right. rather than being like, for example, there's the term contrarian. You could be a contrarian buyer where you're buying early and you could be a right. contrarian seller where you're selling early. You don't me. need a perfect trade to the end, but at least was, you're getting out 70, 80% before the trade ends. Right. There was, I mean, I had pain in every trade I did. It was so annoying. Being, being somebody that loved the trade from the short side, you know, I tend to have pain on every trade, but I could feel the pain, right? And then I could feel the pain being a little less. And then I could feel like, oh, this is too much. And I was like, okay, it's bad trade. I'm out. Um, you know, 60% of my trades each day were bad trades. Mm. Uh, just because, you know, you don't always know when you're right, but you should know when you're wrong. Mm. I, I know that we're cutting coming up here on... on can do a part on, two. On, this is fun. We, 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 we definitely will. But from, right. from your side um, right now, um, I think the biggest concern is, you know, like you said, recession, recession, recession. So anybody that's getting into this market right now, there's no dartboard strategy anymore. And what yeah. I mean by that is like, hey, you'll just throw a dart and you'll, you'll be a winner. Yeah. It, 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 it's over for now. Right. So what is what is your advice to those young traders right now or young investors who are My, well, young investors a little differently because if you're young enough and start putting some money in the market, it's not a bad thing to do for the long term. The young traders, I'm like, don't quit your day job. <laughs> um, it's very simple that I've had traders talk to me, but I need to pay the rent this month or I need to do this. If you're trading to, and having to do a month by month to pay your bills, mm -hmm. do not trade. You know, and, you know, because too many people, when you start feeling that kind of pressure, there's one guy that I knew in the ring every fourth quarter, oh, I got to make money this quarter. I'm like, well, he says, well, I got to make money for my taxes. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I take my first three months. I spent my first three quarters, I always spend it. And then this is tax quarter. And I'm like, he goes, what do you do? I go every hundred thousand I make, I take 40,000 out for taxes. I take 30,000 out for savings. And I live on the other 30,000, you know, that, that I'm doing. So for the new traders that are coming into this market, you know, realize it might not be the market to come into. Mm. Uh, and maybe it's, a, you know, it's like I said to my son when COVID hit, and I said, this is going to be one of the best educations you could mm -hmm. ever have in totally. the market. And it's and real time. It's not it's like back time. then where you read newspapers. I, right, yeah. Day no. to day, you're seeing everything. Right, and you have the real time charting and everything else. The guy in front of me used to sit with a little, you know, the, with a pad and put the charts in and have this ruler. And then when news came out, I would take it. I'd throw it up. I'm like, yeah, it's like a work. And you can, you can watch a thousand different sources through your phone, right. whether right. it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I have thousands of sources. And at that point, my job is just to filter it, see what's relevant, what's not relevant. Yeah, I would tell you new traders, since we're going to have to jump, but I'd love to do a part two of this. Absolutely. The, you know, and this was fun. I would tell your traders that take this and the, the new traders, the old traders, the medium traders. Take this as the best real life education time that you can get. Don't get caught up in how much money you're making or not. 
but realize that every Fed statement, every market move, everything that you're going to hear about the recession, everything you're going to hear about Russia, this is trading history. Mm-hmm. And what that happens is, and I said to my son, the younger you are that you're going through this, the more you'll recognize the same patterns when you go mm-hmm. through this again. Because the reason why I'm so confident is I'm like, I saw it in 87, I saw it in 08. Now, you know, remember when you sent me that thing and you were like, look at oil, it's like 108. I'm like, look at 08. You know, <laughs> I, wrote, I only wrote back to them was, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, look at 08. <laughs> and I was, I, I was, I was like, okay, hey, there's something I'm missing here. I got to go, I got to learn a little bit more here. Yeah, for and sure. then he learned in 08, it went up to 147. You know, I'm like, oh, 110 or 108 wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, I was like, yeah, I was there, you know, and I'm, I was literally there, which is yeah. really, on, on, on the floor. Yeah, you know, and you know what? And then after that, I wasn't because that my last trade was um, the computer screens were around this guy, Eddie Goldberg, that always used to make markets, whatever. So I go, where's these? I go, six bid. They sell me 50 at six. I sell, I sell 10 at eight, right? So I make $300 on the first 10. And then I write it down and I look and the next print is like 50 cents lower. So I made $300 on the first 10. I lost 20,000 on the next 40. And in my life, that was impossible. It just gapped, right? Yeah. Markets. And I remember, I, I, I didn't even get upset. I, I wrote it on my pad. Okay. I looked at the three guys behind me. I said, it's been fun. <laughs> and, I know, and I never went back into the pit after that. <laughs> you know what they say, right? Past, past this fucking prologue, right? Exactly. I'm like, I'm done. I knew what to, you know, sometimes you got to know when to say enough's enough and cry uncle. Um, but let's, let's do this again. Cause there's so many things that we didn't do. We're, um, we're, on we're, so we're, many we're, we're really happy you came on. We're definitely going to bring you on uh, yeah, a second yeah. time. Talk, continue this conversation because this is the best market to do it in right now. Where can the listeners find you uh, on your Instagram and other places? Where can they find you? Well, I tell them that means that my ex-wives might find me. So <laughs> I don't know about that. No, they can find me on Instagram. I have two Instagrams, David Douglas Greenberg, D-A-V-I-D, Douglas Greenberg, G-R-E-E-N-B-E-R-G, and also Trading Shrink. Um, that's... Um, Great yeah, name. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Well, that's what they used to call me at the exchange because, you know, I used to help people with their mental capacity to get back on their feet. So if you go to tradingshrink.com, um, that'll have it. And also trading shrink on, um, on uh, Instagram. I've been staying off Twitter for a long time because it's kind of like screaming into the wind. It just didn't do anything. Well, you got to get back on there and just show some charts and then talk about what's happening, right? Yeah, just say, just say, show the charts. Did that before, been there, was playing golf that day. You know, oh, look, it's happened again. And that's what you just need to understand. History repeats itself. Over. Always. So if you learn patterns and you start seeing them, you will, as they get older, they will see the same patterns mentally. Maybe not chart patterns, but they'll say, wait a minute, Fed's doing this. This is happening overseas. This is happening here. Oh, crew's going to rally off of this. It has to. And you know what? It will. And that's the best thing. Because everything in the crude market that's happened in these markets, we've all seen it before. David, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're going to bring you back on. Thank you so much for this. We'll call him the trading shrink. David Greenberg, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. See you later. Be well. Bye. Ciao. And we'll see you next time on the New Gen Mindset Podcast.